Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What's good, brothers and sisters? You got Freddie Coleman. That's me, Myron Metcalf, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as TuneIn presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up anytime you want because we know you got something to discuss. Hit us up anytime you want at Metcalf by ESPN. That's Myron's handle. My handle at Coleman ESPN. Long time no chat, my brother. How's, what's going on, Myron? Hey, man. Glad to be here with you again, man. Yeah, Always kick, fun. Yeah, The unofficial start of summer. We're kicking it off today on this Memorial Day and plenty of people having a discussion about the shot that was seen and heard from around the world. Miami almost called it a comeback because they've been here for years as Boston almost blew it in the fourth quarter. But a lot of people talking about this at the end in which Jimmy Bella tried to get Miami not only to win in game seven, but the series as well. Tatum with a big right-hand dribble up to the three-point line. Finds Smart with five. Smart on the drive. Up fakes. Puts it off the window. Missed it. Butler the rebound with 20 seconds to go. Shot clock is off. He's going for the lead of three. Missed it. Tipped out. Horford's got it. They got a foul with 13 seconds to go. Mark Ketzer with a call on ESPN Radio. Meyer Metcalf, so many opinions and thoughts about Jimmy Butler taking that shot. Where do you stand? You can't take that shot if you're Jimmy Butler. I mean, you just can't. At the end of the day, to me, that's not like just a pro basketball decision or a college basketball decision. A high school guy would know to go to the rim there. You got Jason Tatum in the corner. You got Al Horford on you. Al Horford is going to foul you, or you're going to score and get fouled for the end one, or you're going to score because Al Horford is still chasing you. Like To me, you get the bucket because of the situation. You go and tie the game. Clearly, Boston's collapsing. They got a 17-point lead at one point. They are falling apart in this championship moment. And I think you have to understand that if you're Jimmy Butler, you get the bucket and then you dare Boston to come back and find a way to score on your home floor. Maybe you're going to overtime, but it feels like you're going to have the momentum regardless of what happens. Jimmy Butler, who's not a great three-point shooter, 32% in his career, Mm -hmm. he can't take that shot. He's got to go and get the bucket and tie the game. He has to take that shot in that moment with the momentum and Al Horford backing up because Al Horford even talked about that he loaded up to make sure that Jimmy Butler could not get past him. Jimmy Butler had a wide open look, relatively speaking, because Al Horford did what he was supposed to do. You don't allow Jimmy Butler to get behind you and get into the lane and create an and one situation. And you're right. Jimmy Butler, 32% from the three-point line. But sometimes you take a three and you're in that moment. Jimmy Butler was making three-point shot at the three-point shot in game six where people say you can't take those shots, and he goes four for seven from the three-point line on Friday. He had a big three-point shot in that game last night when they made a first comeback in the second half where he knocked it down and they had to take a timeout, and Boston almost losing that lead. I had no problem with the shot, and I guarantee you, not you, Myron, but I guarantee you that all the people that may feel the same way you do, if he made the shot, then the narrative changes. Well, you got to take that shot in that situation. Sometimes results will dictate. Not you, because yeah. I've known you for more than a minute. Yeah. But there are plenty of people that will switch their opinion and switch their thought processes based on the result. Even when that shot left his hand, I said, boy, that shot is online. And in that situation, I did not have a problem with the shot. And also, because they were so beat up from the feet up, they might not have had anything left if this game had gone to overtime because so many guys were playing on fumes against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I know that he's had his moments, uh, especially against the Sixers, and you saw him in game six. But, you know, he's, he's to me, he's one for three. And, and 
And I understand like the idea of, hey, the star of your team, you want them to take them in a big shot. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to win the game. Al Horford is sitting at the free throw line as Butler comes down the court. T- to me, everyone says it's a wide open shot, but like Butler sort of takes it at a weird angle. He's kind of running, you know, when he when he shoots it. it he's, he's not really set. But I think if you're Jimmy Butler, you get to the rim, get to the bucket, maybe you get fouled, and then you're just daring a Boston Celtics team that has just been collapsing for minutes to find a way to come back and win that game. I'll take that chance. And then if we go into overtime, right, then guess what? We got the momentum on our home floor. But I just think that's a shot that a guy who made 23% of his three-pointers in the regular season can't take. He's got a, a clear path to the basket. Al Horford is not going to be able to catch up with him and, and get it clean. Jimmy Butler's got to get to the rim and score. And to me, he didn't have a clear path to the basket because, oh, what you mentioned, Al Horford, who is such a terrific defender, not just guarding the rim, but in modern basketball, can guard five positions at times, one through five, because we're talking about an Al Horford that is a glue guy for this basketball team. Your point is fair in terms of Jimmy Butler not being a consistent, terrific three-point threat. Your point is fair with that. But certain guys like Jimmy Butler, they always find a way to get the ball in the basket. I go back to Friday night where he was pointing in at Jimmy, scoring 47 points in 46 yeah. minutes, and he was hitting a variety of shots. And he did the same thing last night where he's hitting a variety of shots. In that flavor of the moment, I'm going to trust and trust his judgment no matter what the result is going to be. Although I will say this, by Myron Metcalf, that's him, Freddie Coleman, that's me, and for Greeny on ESPN Radio, weigh in. Was it the right move by Jimmy Butler to take that three? Or the wrong move. Hit us up on Twitter, Metcalf by ESPN and at Coleman ESPN and the phone number as well at triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Here's another reason why, and this is just me, because I need some of the back of my opinion here. Yeah. Here's another reason why I think that it was a good move by Jimmy Butler. Because check out what Emi Odoka, Celtics head coach, had to say. What was he thinking when Jimmy pulled up for that three, even though he's only a thirty two percent shooter from behind the arc? You know, he's been making big shots throughout this whole series, especially last game and in game one. I came out in attack mode, and, you know, we had defended him, you know, decent overall. I mean, he had a big first half, but we were much better in the second half, and, you know, he's just a guy that's made big shots and puts that team on the shoulder. So not surprised by anything he's done. Uh, played through pain and injury and as well as the rest of their team, and uh, we just came out a little bit more fresh tonight, and, and that's sometimes the luck of the series, luck of health and how it goes. Jalen Brown even said, oh, hell, when that ball left his hand because he thought that ball was online and going in. When you're that kind of dude, even though you're not that successful from a shot that's normally not in your arsenal, and you had guys on the other side scared to death because you scored 82 points while playing 94 out of 96 minutes over the last game six and game seven, that was another reason why I thought, that was the shot to take at that moment by Jimmy Butler. But he's not stable when he takes – he's like leaning when he takes the shot. It's not like, you know, he's wide open and he's set. His feet are set. He takes the shot. Like he – it's almost like he's thinking about what he wants to do because Al Horford is a little off of him and he's like, do I drive or do I shoot? I understand. Like Jimmy deserves a lot of credit because they're not even in that position without him. Absolutely. He was playing incredible basketball. But to me, how he was affecting that game – it was finding ways to will himself to the basket. It wasn't as a three-point shooter. He was one for three before that shot. And Al Horford is a great defender. But Al Horford isn't going to catch Jimmy Butler running downhill in that position. He's going to foul him, most likely. Or he's going to foul him and Jimmy Butler's going to score, and they're going to have a chance to go ahead on a free throw. So to me, like from a situational perspective, Jimmy Butler has too much room to operate. And he that's a shot that he takes and he makes every single time. That three, that's been hit or miss for him. Throughout the offseason, throughout the postseason, throughout the regular season, 
I think you get the bucket. You try to live to fight another day. Jimmy Butler was not willing to do that. He wanted to go for the kill. And when you have a guy that has been a killer so far in this series, so far in this playoff run for the Miami Heat, there are a lot of people that trusted that he he should take that shot and they can live with the result from that standpoint. That's why I didn't have a problem with the shot. Whatever the result was going to be, I can live with it. All the points you make are on point in terms of Jimmy Butler, but sometimes situations can dictate that you can't just follow the numbers, that you can't just follow that kind of plan. And especially you have a guy that made 82 points, scored 82 points, being an efficient scorer inside and outside the three-point line. I know last night, one for him in the three-point line, but he's pretty damn efficient everywhere else. Having the ball in his hands in that moment, I'd much rather have him take that shot as a three-point shot than anybody else in that situation. Scott in New York at Triple H, say ESPN. Scott, what do you have to say about this, my friend? Yeah, the bottom line, listen, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but you know, like you said, in basketball, you extend the game. You're playing at home, you let the game go further. He was coming down with that shot. He pulled up like he wasn't set, and you know Jimmy Butler, like I said, he was one for, for four. To the bottom line, going to the basket, nine times out of ten, he would have got a foul. You extend the game. So that was a bad shot. Yes, yeah, we trust Jimmy, and he's been scoring in the whole nine, but the bottom line, Yo, that shot wasn't a good shot. And and like I said, you don't think Idoka they're gonna say anything bad about him because he's like I said, he's a you know, he's a coach, he's not gonna say oh, well that was a, a bad shot. But I mean ninety I was in a bar last night. Mm-hmm. The bar went crazy. People almost threw glasses when he took that <laughs> shot. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that by this guy in New York, thanks for the call and also be safe the rest of this holiday season, this holiday weekend. I'd understand why people say it's a bad shot. I get it, based on the person taking the shot. When it comes to Jimmy Butler, what I'm saying is, mine. it wasn't a bad shot in the flavor of that moment when the guy in Al Horford, as terrific a defender as he is, backed up where he had a clear look, maybe a better look than anybody wants to give Jimmy Butler credit for. And I yeah. wonder if that conversation, not from you, if that conversation is the same, had he knocked down the shot, because I've seen this before. I've yeah. heard this before, like, oh, that was a terrible shot because he missed. If he made the shot, man, the guts of a burglar, that's yeah. what Jimmy yeah. Butler does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we'd be, we'd be having the superstar conversations more to be hit the shot, you know? It wasn't better shot. It wasn't bad shot, good shot to me. It was he had a better shot at the rim. He can get by Al Horford. He can score, maybe get fouled, changes the game. Okay. Well, either way, if you're the Boston Celtics, you're glad that he missed that shot. Yeah. You win game seven, 196. After you almost had a collapse with yeah. having a 13-point lead with about three and a half to play. But either way, they're on their way to the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. Coverage on ESPN Radio on Thursday, game one at 8.30 Eastern time. Keep weighing in. Hit us up at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The shot by Jimmy Butler. A good choice or a bad choice? Byron says, bad choice. Freddie says, good choice. You can weigh in with your choice at 888-729-3776. Meanwhile, the Boston Celtics are the Boston Celtics. Good and bad. But here's the one thing you may have missed about their run to the NBA Finals. We'll get to that next on Greeny after this from AutoZone. AutoZone has the free services you need to help you get back on the road like their free AutoZone Fix Finder service. The AutoZone Fix Finder service not only identifies the check engine light code, but also helps identify the most likely cause of the check engine light being on. The information provided by the free AutoZone Fix Finder service is verified by data from over 5.5 million ASC certified technicians. With over 5,600 locations nationwide, AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. 
Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. They lost at home in Game 6, had to come south to South Florida for Game 7, got out to a big lead. Butler the rebound with 20 seconds to go. Shot clock is off. He's going for the lead of three. Missed it. You know, to get over this hump in the fashion that we did it, obviously we took the toughest route possible. And then to win a Game 7 and go to the championship on the road is special. Freddie Cohen and Meyer Metcalf in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as TuneIn, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get to the one thing that you have missed about the Boston Celtics and their run to get to the NBA Finals. They're going to Golden State Warriors. Game one this Thursday in ESPN Radio and ABC at 8.30 Eastern time. But people weighing in about the shot that Jimmy Butler took from three that he missed. Celtics win game seven, 196. People want to weigh in at Triple H, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. Mine thinks that Jimmy Butler should have taken a two. I did not have a problem with Jimmy Butler taking the three. eBay in Michigan, where do you stand? So, Freddie, it's like this. If that's your shot, that's fine. You take that shot, that's cool. I'm, I, don't, we, I, don't, I don't think we're debating who should have took the shot. Jimmy Butler was definitely the person that should have took the shot. We're debating on rather that's the shot you're supposed to take with 17 seconds left. You can run an offense. You can run a play. You can do all kind of things. But the Celtics didn't get the ball for 13 seconds. Why heave a shot from thir- that you won from four on and not take the shot that you're 50% on. Everything else, he's 50% in the field goal percentage. But he take a shot that he's 25% on to win the game? It's like you took the shot because you was gassed. You didn't take the shot because you wanted to win the game. And then this is my thing. Al Horford do not have a chance at stopping Jimmy. If he Euro, if he spin, if he do anything, Al Horford may or may not have a chance to stop Jimmy. And even if he does, lose the game that way. Don't lose the game with a, with a heaving shot 33 feet out. And you ain't even that guy. You have never done that. And during the comeback, it was more Max Struess that was hitting all of the crazy shots. So, like, I don't know, maybe set up an offense. Run a play. Come on, Jimmy. Well, Eve, number one, he wasn't 33 feet away. He was just behind the three-point yeah, he was line. On the three-point line. He was about 12 feet closer than you're saying right now. From a geography standpoint, you're wrong from that standpoint. <laughs> number two, I don't think you're giving enough credit for Al Horford. Because Al Horford in modern NBA can guard one through five in the NBA. And you can say that Jimmy could have done this, Jimmy could have done that. There are a lot of ifs there that he is not thinking about at that moment. He took the best shot that was available for him. And when it comes to running an offense, you can debate those kind of merits. But remember this, Miami had one timeout left. They decided to not use that timeout in that situation where they got the rebound they had Boston scrambled. They had a matchup yeah. problem for Boston in terms of Al Horford being guarded by Jimmy Butler. It wasn't Marcus Smart. It wasn't Jason Tate. It wasn't Jalen Brown. As great of an Al Horford defender that I know that he is, they still had a mismatch in their favor, and Jimmy Butler thought he could take advantage of that mismatch and take the three. All the other ifs I get, 
but they have Boston scrambled enough where they got what they bet, felt was the best matchup. Jimmy Butler just did not make the shot. Yeah, and I felt like taking advantage of the mismatch would have been going to the rim, right? Uh, Al Horford could defend, right? Like, But to me, the situation he was in, it was impossible, right? Because if Jimmy just keeps going, right, if he hesitates for a second, then goes straight to the rim – Al Horford is going to have a hard time because Al Horford, even though he's at the free throw line, he's defending the three point. Like he's, his hands are up. Like he's waiting for Jimmy to shoot. He's going to have to turn and trail Jimmy somehow, get to the rim before he does to either block the shot or alter the shot. And I just think that would have been very difficult to do. The, the scenarios are either he gets to the free throw line, he scores and gets the end one, or he misses. Two out of three of those situations you still have a chance to tie the game. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that was the right shot for a guy who is not a really good three-point shooter. He's an average at best three-point shooter. Yeah, he is average at best. I get it. But in a situation like that where he was doing above average things, and I know that Eve and Michigan talked about Max Struess was making these crazy shots. Well, you know why? Because everybody's concentrating on Jimmy Butler. So That's he was fair. able to get loose and make those kind of crazy shots. And believe me, if, any, if we're going to get on shot taking in that situation – Max Struess took a shot that I call those the stuffed animal shot. You make that at the carnival, you get any stuffed animal you want because that was not a good shot that he took off balance, fading away, knocking down a three. Nobody's talking about that shot. Jimmy Butler took a shot that was, to me, in rhythm with the Boston Celtics defense scrambled, and he got more than a decent look against a pretty good defender when it comes to Al Horford. Yeah, I'm not in the bad shot Jimmy category, right? To me, it's to me it's better shot, right? Like to to me, it's I can understand how Jimmy, the superstar of this team, the star of this team, is saying I'm going to win the game here. Al Al Horford is two or three feet away from me. Mm -hmm. I just think he has a better chance to tie this game. And if you tie this game against a Boston team that is unraveling, Freddie, they are collapsing in real time over a four minute period. Give me that opportunity every time I tie the game. Maybe we go to overtime, but we have all the momentum regardless of what happens. Yeah, and going back to the timeout situation, there were a couple of timeouts taken that maybe if Eric Spolster had another one, he might have taken a timeout. Might have, yeah. he, he might not have been able to burn that timeout thinking, man, if I burn this timeout here, then we don't have one left in case we don't get the play we wanted. the shot doesn't go down. Jimmy Butler may have had that in his mind. I'm not trying to speak for people here, but he went for the kill shot. Yeah. You want your superstars that they believe they have an advantage to take them out, especially when, to your point, Myron, the Celtics were unraveling. They looked like a teenager the mall that ran out of credit cards. They were at one point they were up by 13 with 335 to play. Then they started jacking up threes. If we're gonna talk about bad shots, the Celtics took a lot of them down the stretch, a lot worse than Jimmy Butler did. They're able to survive that, make that work. And that's the one thing that's been missing about this whole Celtics run to the NBA Finals. This team has done this essentially with anybody having zero NBA Finals experience with guys having zero Game 7 experience, and they won not one but two Game 7s at home versus Milwaukee and then on the road versus Miami. To me, I'll give them enough credit that they found a way to not have a collapse happen and lose Game 7 when it could have definitely happened to a team that had not been there before this NBA Finals run that the Celtics are on right now. Yeah, I mean, the resilience to, to beat a, a team three games in a row on the road. Yeah, uh, Miami had been 7-0 and in the playoffs at mm-hmm. home before that. So, no, you got to give Boston credit. I mean, they were on the brink of collapse, but it wasn't sure. a complete collapse. Um, so you got to give them some credit for that. Ken in North Carolina, Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Thanks for joining Freddie Coleman and Meyer Metcalf on Greeny on ESPN Radio. Ken, what you got? Hey, guys, I just want to say that Jason Tatum did a really good job, but I think overall 
the reason Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat did not win, saying this as a Celtics fan, right, mm-hmm. is because Jimmy Butler was carrying the team. Because Tyler Hero, he's out. Kyle Lowry just lost it. Victor Oladipo isn't playing to his potential like he did in Indiana. And I think overall, they kind of just lost it. Hey, Ken, how old are you, by the way? <laughs> um, I'm 20. You're 20? All right. My job is safe for another decade because you could be taking people's job without analysis, Ken. You hear me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ken, in North Carolina. He's spot on in terms yeah. of his analysis because a lot of that that went on. And, Martin, you and I have known each other for years. Yeah, People yeah. don't realize that sometimes when an opportunity happens, you got to take advantage of it. Sometimes when luck happens or luck is on your side, you do not have to apologize for that no matter what side you're on or what, what team you're on in that situation. No, no. You can't knock Boston the same way you can't knock the Golden State Warriors when they beat LeBron and the Cavs and Kevin Love and Kyrie are hurt. Like, that's yeah. just the way it goes. True. You know? True. That's the way it goes. Yeah, very true. Keep weighing in. If you can't get through on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and at Metcalf by ESPN, keep calling us. We'd love to hear what you have to say at Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Freddie Cohen, Meyer Metcalf, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as tune in. The one thing that we're getting from the NBA Finals coming up involving these two and I hate to do this in Major League Baseball, we'll talk about that in another couple of minutes, is the fact that stuff like this keeps getting us closer and closer to the NFL season because a lot of people are saying the NBA Finals are like this and the NBA is on an upsurge. What is the NFL going to look like? Because there's still so many storylines out there, not named Baker Mayfield and what's going to happen with Cleveland, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, even the New York quarterbacks, Zach Wilson for the New York Jets and Daniel Jones for the New York Giants. A lot of those storylines are going to take center stage at the expense of baseball, especially the NBA getting closer and closer by to the edge of the season. Yeah, and you know, baseball has been in this ongoing fight to try to become more relevant, but it feels like everything is just in between the NFL seasons, to your point. Yeah, it is. It's an NFL nation, and I know people don't want to hear that, but it is where we are from yeah. that standpoint that a lot of people, I mean, look at the storylines the offseason, as we mentioned, Russell Wilson with the Seattle Seahawks. Now you got an AFC West division that is going to be a murderous row in every game, whether it's Kansas City versus Denver, Raiders versus you know, Raiders versus Kansas City, the Chargers taking on whoever. With all those quarterbacks, you got Justin Herbert with the Chargers, Russell Wilson with Denver, Patrick Mahomes, congrats on having another baby. He and his wife yeah. but have another baby now. The big sister's going to get somebody else to hang out with and with Kansas City and Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders. I can't remember a time you have four quarterbacks of that ilk in the same division. It's going to be fascinating to watch to see how it all shakes out. I mean, that that is like the SEC of the NFL. It feels like every game would be must watch. Okay, we're gonna have we were gonna have Sam Acho on ESPN NFL Ants, but for some reason, first take decided to take him away a little bit to talk okay. about NFL. So we'll get back to the NBA playoffs here on Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, six XM channel eighty, as well as tune in. Maya Metcalf, that's him. Freddie Coleman, that's me. Getting back to the Boston Celtics, and you made this point before we got started that this team has been able to do this, get to this point, where a lot of people still wonder about their chances taking down the Golden State Warriors. The fact that we're even talking about a Celtics-Warriors final, when two years ago, Golden State had 15 wins. They had the worst record in the NBA. And many people said, what are the Boston Celtics doing? They move on, Danny Ainge leaves, they kick Brad Stevens upstairs, they bring in Emi Odoka, a former of the Brooklyn Nets. Man, this organization in flux. They were three games below 500 at the beginning of the year. The fact that they were able to get to this point and win two game sevens and in the NBA Finals in a short amount of time, it has been a fascinating case study 
with a team that was down in the dumps and people wanted to break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And now yeah. here we are, this team, four games away from winning the 18th NBA championship. Yeah, teams, Freddie, always use the cliche word. They say culture. And the reality is most teams don't have it. Most franchises don't have it, but Boston does. And I think that's what they've been able to create, you know, over time. To get back to this point says a lot about that organization in general. But to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, to know what they would become. And then to grab people like, you know, Derek White, Grant Mm -hmm. Williams, who I saw a lot in college and thought, you know what? He might have a role in the NBA. I didn't think he'd have a role helping a team get to the finals. Like just the foresight that that demands says a lot about that organization and where they are now. And now with Jason Tatum as young as he is, you wonder – is this the beginning of something for the next decade that this is going to be the team that you have to deal with if you want to win an NBA championship? It's interesting you bring that up because it wasn't too long ago, and I give the Boston Celtics a lot of credit for this. I'm a big believer that you don't keep mistakes in a building. If a mistake's in your building, you don't see if it's going to right itself or if the wrong is going to be an unwrong. You just move on from it. They had a mistake in the building called Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it did. When Kyrie Irving was there, and we all remember, we all know the story. When he got there, talking into the fan base at a fan event that he can't wait to be in Boston for you. Ah, Kyrie, yeah, yeah. Kyrie, he's our man. And not even three months later, he couldn't wait to get out of Boston. He tried to pull a power play, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart said, dude, take a good look at us. You don't know the bleep you're talking about. Who you think you're talking to? And when Kyrie didn't want it anymore, they said, look, then you need to get the hell out of here. Can you imagine they tried to keep that mistake in the building? That would have completely retarded the progress when it comes to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and who knows Emi Odoka decides to leave Brooklyn to take on that potential mess that could have been in Boston. It's the best move they made. You know, it, it, to me, it wasn't just Kyrie, the back and forth, you know, if you'll have me, I'll stay. It was the way he was talking about those guys. Like, he was talking about those dudes that they, they were all like his little bros yes. or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that he they weren't on his level, and they were lucky to be playing with him. You know, meanwhile, he could have been more of a mentor to a Jason Tatum. He could have been more of a mentor to a Jalen Brown. But that's just not his makeup. It wasn't there in Boston. So I think to clear the path for Jason Tatum to become who he is, that doesn't happen if Kyrie is still on this roster. Jalen Brown emerging the way he has. That doesn't happen with a Kyrie Irving on the roster. And I think you're bringing back a, an Al Horford, who's yeah. that voice and that presence, mm-hmm. that guy who clearly all those dudes look up to and respect, but he's not talking down to them. I think you got the perfect balance in that locker room. And again, that's the, that's the sign of a stable organization, and that's what Boston has. And Mark is smart when things weren't going right early this year. He put Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's feet to the fire. He said, yep. we need guys to step up and be better as leaders. And he said, that's on me too. I've got to be better. But the guys that we need, those guys need to be better. And he named names. He didn't just say, you know, I'm, he, didn't, he wasn't that anonymous source talking to Adrian Wojnarowski or people like mm-hmm. that. No, he named names. He said, we need those two guys right there. I need to be better. But we, we need those guys. We have to rely on those guys. They have to carry the way. If that was Kyrie Irving, we know how that date would have ended. It would have been on the evening news, and it would not have been good. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown said, you know what? He's not wrong. What are we going to do to be better? And ever since then, they've had the best record in the NBA. They've been the best defensive team in the NBA because Marcus Smart knew, if I don't call these guys out, we're going to have a lost season. 
those two guys can take criticism and they're going to use it as fuel. And if they don't, then we know exactly what we've gotten ourselves into. Then that's a whole different conversation with the Boston Celtics. A hundred percent. I think, I think to me, like we always talk about the younger generation and this idea that, you know, they don't have the same level of respect that a former generation had. I think that's all baloney. I think the younger players will respect you if you give them that respect. And a guy like Kyrie just wasn't that. You know, they listen to a Marcus Smart because he's not just their teammate. He's not just a guy encouraging them to do more. Mm -hmm. It's a guy that they know has their back. And I think that's the difference with this Boston Celtics team. With Kyrie in the mix, you didn't know who had your back. Because if your leader is wishy-washy, how can you trust anything? But I think this is a group where you see in that locker room, a Marcus Smart can say something like that and you believe it. And Al Horford can speak up and you believe it. And I think that to me is the difference between what has happened now versus what they have with Kyrie Irving. We always hear about that you have to be a player's coach. You got to be in tune with players' feelings. You got to be more of a friend, not so much a mentor so much. You, you Players have to feel like they're on the same level with a coach, on the same level with the stars in the locker room. And it's proven to be a bunch of BS with successful (laughs) teams. I go to Alabama football, for example, notwithstanding the whole back and forth, my yardstick is bigger than your yardstick situation with Nick Saban of Alabama and Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M. But how many Alabama guys leave that program? And they always talk about Nick Saban made me a better person. And most had nothing to do with football because they knew exactly where they stood with him. He is not the kind of person that puts up with nonsense. And if you give him nonsense, he said you can go somewhere else and we'll kick your behind or you go to FCS program. Well, I don't have to worry about you anymore. When you have that kind of culture where players know, if I go against this, I'm going to hear about it. You'd be amazed how you don't have to worry about being their friend. You'll wind up being better than their friend because they know exactly what's on point when it's going to come to a situation like that involving Boston and Marcus Smart being unafraid because he knew exactly what kind of personnel player-wise and personnel-wise, was a part of that basketball team, not named Kyrie Irving with that basketball team when it comes to Boston. Yeah, and they're playing the the Western Conference version of this with Draymond and the Golden State Warriors. Sure. Draymond Green and Marcus Smart are two guys who don't work everywhere. Like, they're not going to work with every NBA team. Like, you got to have a certain makeup in your locker room for that to work. Mm-hmm. But those guys have been the catalyst because of the level of respect they have, you know, in their respective locker rooms. And I think it's going to be fun to watch them battle. Yeah, it's interesting. The two X's are in the finals. Meanwhile, Kevin Durant, the first wife, is out. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, the first wife of Boston, he's out. And now they're seeing their exes about to play for a championship starting on Thursday. Oh, don't look at me that way. I'm not the only one that felt that way. <laughs> Martin Metcalf, that's him. Freddie Coleman, that's me. Citadels, hey, big head text. Exactly. And meanwhile, you get a text, who this? That's what Golden State and Boston are getting right now from Kyrie and Kevin Durant with those two guys in the same team. Not in the NBA Finals. Freddie and Martin filling in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. We're going to get to another C word when it comes to Major League baseball and their time that's after this from straight talk straight talk wireless cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good really good actually it feels great you know what you should try it so cut your bill by switching to straight talk wireless now offering their 45 dollars silver unlimited plan with five gigabytes of hotspot and nationwide 5g on america's largest most dependable networks the 45 dollars silver unlimited plan from straight talk straight talk wireless no contract no compromise a month equals 30 days. You knew that already. So see terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G cable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Greeny, the podcast. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hold, here's the pitch. Swing a line drive right field toward the line. It's down for a base hit. It goes by. Herrera to the wall. Marte will score and the Mets have swept the Phillies on a walk-off base hit for Eduardo Escobar. Remember when they had the summer of George, the Seinfeld episode? It could be the summer of baseball when it comes to New York. But will the other 49 states care? Freddie Cohen, Maya Medcalf, Infragrini on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, as well as tune in. The C word when it comes to MLB is conundrum. Because right now, Maya, this is supposed to be the time. We got Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer. Usually that's when people start being vested in Major League Baseball. At, you, at least that used to be the conversation. Yeah. You got the NBA Finals starting on Thursday. You're going to blink your eyes, and it's going to be NFL college football season. This is supposed to be the time for Major League Baseball. And yet, here we are. And you mentioned it. And Eric, our producer, mentioned before we got started today. The three biggest stories that are happening with Major League Baseball have nothing to do with what's happened on the field. Yeah, you're almost like waiting for the next fight. You know, you're waiting for the next um, situation where uh, someone gets into some altercation or there's a dispute on the field. It's not about the product. And baseball's been dealing with this for so long, Freddie. It's like, at what point do you recognize that you are squandering some of the greatest things that we've seen in a long time. I mean, right. Yankees-Mets, incredible. Mm-hmm. Otani, it's like we're watching Babe Ruth, yeah. and no one's talking about it. Like, why are so many people missing this game right now? Baseball has to figure it out. I'm just not convinced they will. Figure it out, boy. And the baseball is the first sport that I ever loved. First sport. Remember playing catch with my dad, talking about – the New York Mets over here, the big red machine, the Cincinnati Reds, the Oakland Athletics, who don't get enough credit for how great they were winning yeah. back-to-back-to-back oh, World Series in the 1970s. But I'm talking about that in terms of old because you got to go back into the past to talk about Major League Baseball. And the one thing that was always consistent with the old back then was that whoever the best player was in your sport, in the sport of baseball, you knew who they were. Yep, They couldn't walk down streets in this country and you wouldn't look at them funny thinking, who is that? The best player in Major League Baseball is still Mike Trout, the Los Angeles Angels. He can walk down plenty of streets in Los Angeles and have not one person knew who the hell he is. They may say, hey, man, who's that buff guy that looked like he just came out of the gym? Yeah. And when you have that and you have not been able to figure that out when it comes to Major League Baseball, that continues to be a problem. It could be a total summer of baseball. The Yankees and Mets could be on the way to a collision course potentially in the World Series. Yeah, the Dodgers are really good. The Milwaukee Brewers are really good. The Padres are not going to go away in that division. The, uh, the Minnesota Twins have been really good so far in yeah. the AL Central. Tampa Bay and New York going back and forth in the AL East. But if you don't have that singular dude, especially playing in a certain market, New York, L.A., Chicago, or at least for the Dodgers, that's going to be a problem. Continues to be a problem for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it, it, it's you know some of their best teams. It's they don't have the stars that you can identify. You know, you mentioned the Twins, good team. Uh, how many people outside of the Midwest know anything about them? You know, Otani and, and Mike Trout, few of the recognizable guys nationally. So yeah, you you need to find a way to you know make these names bigger 
uh, for the average fan. We were talking before the show. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ask the average fan who's on the Yankees right now, how many how many players could they name? Aaron Judge, now, and that's it. That's about it. Twenty years ago, most of us could name. Eight, nine, ten, eleven guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, what has happened from now until then? Baseball has to figure it out because Yankees Mets on a collision course is as good as it gets. I mean, that is sports, and it's not something that we should miss. I remember the last time, well, the only time that they were in the World Series when it came to the New York Yankees and the New York Mets, and it was a referendum for other people in the other four United States. I ain't watching that. Two New York teams. Can't stand New York as it is. Yeah. Yankees. No, nah, I'm not going to be bothered with that. It could be different. If it happens in 2022, still plenty of baseball, plenty of teams you got to deal with before we can even think about that as a reality more than anything else. But if you're Major League Baseball, this is supposed to be your time. Who is that team? Who is that dude that can carry you through the summer? And if Shohei Otani was playing for the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Mets, I don't believe we're having this conversation. He pays the price for playing for the second team in Los Angeles that a lot of people don't talk about. If Shohei Otani's with the New York Mets, they'd probably be making a 30 for 30 on him right now, what he's yeah, been able to do. But because he plays for that team that ha- has not had any concept of winning since winning the World Series in the early 2000s, he's going to continue to suffer by comparison no matter how, like you mentioned, we got a Babe Ruth in front of us right now come to Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're missing it, you know. And I think it is obviously elevating the stars of the game. But at what point, Freddie, is it changing the game itself? Like in today's era where everybody's watching movies on their phones yep. mm-hmm. and we're tied to social media 24-7, can you play a three-and-a-half-hour game yeah. and, and expect people to pay attention? I don't think you can. So to me, at some point, we got to talk about baseball itself making these fundamental changes to become a more modern game in a world where yeah. it is so difficult to keep anyone's attention. Here's how I counter that point, and it's fair and it's accurate. Here's why Major League Baseball is not going to do that. They make way too much money. They make so much money from Latin America, from South America, from the Asian market. They don't have to worry about seeing ratings that are disappearing at times, no matter what format it is. They see all that money, Myron, rolling in. They see that bottom line. They're thinking, we're good. We don't have to worry. A lot of people are not talking about us, but that bottom line means a lot to rich people. Yeah. That owns baseball teams, and that money's not slowing down anytime soon. What's wrong with seven innings, Freddie? Because too many people get hot and bothered about it. Too many people are hot and bothered about not about having a, a universal DH. Let the pitchers continue to swing and miss. I don't want to see that. That's just bad baseball to me. But no. too many, too many old heads want things to be back in 1918, not 2022. And as long as you live in, the, in that century, you get what you get. More next on Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.